what is the one condition that God requires out of his people or out of his church for a visitation. Exodus chapter 19 verse 5. God makes a covenant with the people. He said, this is my precondition. And the one word in the covenant is obedience. If you can obey my voice, if we can obey my word, if we can obey my statutes and my judgments, then, then, you will be a peculiar people to me. You will be a kingdom of priests unto me. You know, recently, in the month of April, last month, One night, I had a sleepless night, and uh, I, I didn't have a jet lag problem, I didn't have any, I, I went somewhere and I came back. It wasn't a jet lag problem, it was nothing, I, I just couldn't sleep. I was tossing on my bed left and right, left and right, and I just couldn't sleep. And uh, when I looked at the time, it was 2.30. So I thought to myself, anyway, it's, it's my usual time for prayer, so let me just get up and kneel down to pray. So I, I came to the living room and I knelt down to pray. And as soon as I knelt down, I saw a vision about the menorah. And then the Lord spoke to me something about the secrets of the menorah. It's like, as soon as I saw the vision, I was transported in the spirit to the tabernacle of Moses. And I stood in the holy place and the Lord Jesus stood by my right side and he pointed a finger at the lampstand and he spoke to me about some spiritual aspect about the menorah and how the menorah sees a believer or sees a Christian. He looks at them. Okay, we'll not go into detail about that. Now come to the main part. After this vision, so I was very uh, enthralled by that experience and I was... I quickly jotted down the vision that I saw because if I waited till the morning, I may forget the whole thing. So I've learned from experience to immediately write it down. Have you been there before? Yeah. Where you thought that you want to write down and but you're too lazy to write and then when you get up in the morning, everything is gone. Yeah. And then you kick yourself thinking, why didn't you write it? Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Okay. So next time, don't do that. So anyway, after that, I was so happy and I was just waiting on God. Suddenly, a word came before my eyes. The order of the Melchizedek. You know, I'm sure you all have heard of the order of the Melchizedek, haven't you? I read that, I heard about that long time ago. And it is something very mysterious. So I never ever set my heart to know more about the order of Melchizedek. See, it's something mysterious, no one knows. Even Paul didn't go any deeper to teach about the order of Melchizedek. He said it's mysterious. So I didn't bother to delve into that mystery at all. But that day, that morning, this word came before my eyes, the order of the Melchizedek. So I began to ponder and meditate. What is the order of the Melchizedek? As I was meditating, 
the Lord Jesus Christ appeared before me and he began to teach me what is the order of the Melchizedek. For the next one and a half hours, he spoke to me, what is the purpose of the order of the Melchizedek? And importantly, who is Melchizedek? What is the purpose of the order of the Melchizedek? And how the order of Melchizedek continues till the end. So during the line of revelation, the one thing the Lord revealed to me that astounded me was the call to the order of the Melchizedek was first given to the nation of Israel at Mount Sinai. You know, the call of Melchizedek is nothing but a nation of a kingdom of priests and kings. A kingly priest. That's what the order of Melchizedek is all about. And that call, before it was given to the New Testament church, you read in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, that God has called us as a kingdom of priests. Right? Before it was first given to us, it was first given to the children of Israel. Salvation first came to the Jews, right? Then because they rejected, it came to us. In the same manner, this call was first given to them. Because they rejected the call, it was then given to us. So they were called as a nation, a peculiar nation. A holy nation of priests. The whole nation. It was God's intent to call the whole nation to be a nation of priests. To worship him and to serve him. But because they rejected the call, the call then moved on to Aaron and his sons and the children of Levi. They were chosen. To be his priest. But that was not the original intent. The original intent is for every Israelite. To be a king and a priest. So. The condition is this. Obedience. Now obedience comes with a price. What is the price? The price is. You must be willing to let go. Whatever God tells you to let go. And you must be willing to die. To yourself. That is the price. For a visitation. Because when God comes. It's going to. Turn your world upside down. Whatever box tradition that you have about God must break apart. Whatever traditions that you have built in your church, in your life, in your ministry, they must crumble and fall. So before that, God puts a condition before you. The condition is, are you willing to obey me at all costs? Because it comes with a price, you know. If God is going to entrust you with the powers of the age to come, then you must be worthy 
of that trust. Right? When God called Moses in Exodus chapter 3, he saw the burning bush. He was enthralled by the vision that he saw. And he wanted to come closer to look at this phenomena. And the first thing that God told him was, a condition was put before him. Moses, if you want to see me further, you must do one thing. Remove your shoes. See, a condition was put there. Remove. Put away this from your life. Put away all the barriers that you have lifted up be in you, outside you. All these traditions that you have built around you, throw them away. Remove them. Let me be God in your life. Let me be the Lord and Master in your church. Let me be the Lord, Master, King of your ministry. He wants to be the king. He wants to be the master. He wants to be the Lord. For that, remove your shoes. What is the shoe? A shoe is something that protects your feet. It protects your walk. So remove the security. Remove the security. Remove it. What is the thing that you are holding on to? That is your security. Let it go. Let it go. I will be your source. I will be your provider. I will be your supplier. Let go. Can you? Can you? There's a pastor that I know who lives in the nation of Singapore. He belongs to the Assemblies of God Church. This pastor, before he came into full-time ministry, he was holding a very high position as a school teacher. And he was in a very high position in the government. And at the same time, he had a thriving, growing church. One day before his retirement, the Lord told him, resign your work. Of course, he spoke to him months ago. And the Lord specifically told him when to resign. He said, you must submit your papers one day before your retirement. And he clearly heard from the Lord. He had no doubt about it. When he told his wife about it, she was like Mrs. Sarah. She began to talk her sense into his head. Like all good wives do, you know. They like to talk some sense into their husband's head, like what Sarah did to Abraham. Talk some sense into his head and come up with a plan to help God. Because, because God is helpless, you know. You, have to, you need to help God fulfill his word. Don't laugh. That's exactly what we are doing every day in our lives. Right? You may laugh at the way I put it, but... If you look at yourself in the mirror, that's what you do every day in your life. You are helping God fulfill His word that He gave you. Because you don't believe God. That's what Sarah did. She couldn't believe God that in her late stage of her life, she can conceive. She couldn't believe that at all. 
So, the pastor's wife, she spoke some sense into his head. And then the pastor's denominational heads, the superintendent, the disdendent, that tendon, every tendon, they all spoke some sense into his head. But this pastor was adamant. He said, no, I have clearly heard from the Lord. And he submitted his resignation. Even the principal in the school called him to the office and talked sense into his Why are you so stupid? Can't you just wait one more day? Yeah, go and serve your God. See, you know what the Pharaoh told Moses? Okay, go and serve your God, but only the, let the men go. Let all your women and your children and your animals stay back. Only the men can go. But Moses said, no, it's stock and barrel. It's all of us will go. Our children, our grandchildren, our old and the young and all our animals will go because we do not know what God will require out of us. That's what Moses told him. We don't know what God will require. So we might as well go entirely so that we will know what God will speak to us and what he will require out of us. So, no matter what advisors or what common sense people were talking to him, the pastor was adamant and he said, no, I submit my resignation. So, his resignation was accepted. So, which meant he lose all his benefits. Do you have a system of pension in the US? You do. Okay. So he loses his pensions, he loses his gratuity, a big lump sum of money he could get from the government. He lost everything simply because God said, resign. So he resigned. So now he has no security to fall back on if God would let him down. You know why we have we built our securityness? Because we always believe that God will let us down. We believe that, that God will forsake us. We have a strong belief in that. God cannot be trusted at his word. So you better have a backup plan, a plan B. In case God fails, if you want to walk with God, there is no ifs. No buts, no commas. If you want to walk with God, burn the bridges behind you. And then you walk with God. And the scariest part is this. God will not show you. Now this is a problem with Americans, you know. Mostly Americans, but other, other races have this problem too. You don't mind, do you? Are you offended with my... No. You, you still love me? How much? How much? Three much? Is that all? Oh my. Okay. Now look at this. What was I saying about Americans? Huh? Security, yeah. You see, no, not security. Details. You want to know all the details from A to Z. You want to know all the details before you will take the first step forward. 
Aunt, I have bad news for you. The bad news is, God will not show you even a B when you don't even take a step on the A. Amen. See, that is the scariest part of serving God. Look at Abraham. God told him, come out of your father's house and go to a place where I will show you. That's all. So, he told his father, he told his relatives, they all had a big feast and he said, I'm leaving. So, Mrs. Sarah comes along. She says, honey, where are we going? So, he said, I don't know. So she said, okay. She followed him. And they walked the whole day, the first day. And they came for the night. And she cooked a very nice meal for him. While they were eating, she asked, honey, what's tomorrow? He said, I don't know. Okay, she let him go. Next morning, while they were Packing the tent, she asked him, honey, now her tone changed. No more that, honey. <laughs> you know, when I first came to the US in 1991, I heard my host calling each other, honey, honey, honey. So I wondered, you know, because in India, in the East, they don't call honey anything, you know. <laughs> so I wondered why are they just restricting to honey why not salt salt pepper <laughs> so I dared to ask my host I said pardon me you know why are you all always just simply calling honey make it more creative salt pepper chili so, honey, change into honey. Honey. So her tone changed. The second day, honey, where are we going? He said, I don't know. So she kept quiet. She's a good woman, you know. She kept quiet. <laughs> on, the, on the fourth day, honey. Honey. Where are we going? <laughs> Poor Abraham looked at her and said, I don't know. <laughs> Fifth day onwards, she refused to talk to him. <laughs> See, this is the scary part of walking with God. That is why most people don't want to walk with God. They don't want to trust God. Because there is no security in walking with God. You know, when God called me to the full-time ministry, I was a high school teacher. He just told me one word, resign your work. And he never promised me where my next meal was going to come from. He never promised me. He never promised me any salary. He never promised me any medical insurance. He never promised me anything. He just said, come out. One sentence, period. But in this, this is the 39th year of my ministry. 
And in these 39 years, he has never forsaken me, neither have I ever suffered for lack of bread. He has always provided. But there comes challenges, you know, I won't say there are no challenges. There come challenges, but the challenges are designed to build your faith. You know, all of you who live in the U.S., you know better, not, in, not only in the U.S., even now all over the world, without medical insurance, you cannot survive. You must have medical insurance. Am I right, everybody? So the same thing goes for other parts of the world. Now, whenever I have some issues in my body, I always tell the Lord this. Lord, I don't have any money to go and see a doctor. When I was working in the school, the government was paying me a good salary. If I had that money, I can go and see a doctor. But you did not promise me any salary. Now look at this problem in my body now. So it is your duty to heal me. This is the prayer that I pray. Recently, I fell down and hurt my elbow. And the fall was very great that it hurt on the bones in the elbow. And it lasted for one and a half years. And then when it got better, I had another fall. I was in Taiwan ministering to the people. And during on the last day when I was laying hands on praying for the people, they were all dropping down. Although there were ushers, there was one very heavy woman. And as soon as my hand barely touched her head, she began to fall down. And when she was falling down, she also brought me down. <laughs> and she was so heavy that when she, the force of her fall caused my elbow to fall right down on the floor, on the cemented floor, and I regained the pain all came back. I thought, oh my God, just when I was healed and was okay, now I have to go through the therapy all over again. So the pain was so excruciating and it was irritating me all the time. So I just bear the pain. You know, I put some ointment, some pain reliever to just bear the pain. So after I came back from Taiwan, so a few days later, I was waiting on God. And I sat down before the Lord during my afternoon prayer time. And the Lord Jesus appeared before me. And uh, I had put my hand out and I was putting my head on the cushion of the sofa and I was praying. And the Lord, when he came to me, the first question he asked me was, what's the pain in your elbow? I didn't even pray about it at all, you know. I thought to myself, this is a small thing to trouble the Lord. Why trouble the Lord? He has so many other bigger things to take care of. A little ointment will take care of this pain sooner or later. So don't need to make it a subject of prayer. This was just my own personal feeling. But, but the Lord cared enough to ask me, is how painful is your elbow? So I told the Lord, Lord, it's nothing great. You know, it's, you have so many other bigger things to take care of. This is nothing great, Lord. 
So after saying that, I put out my hand before the Lord and I told the Holy Spirit. I said, you know, the Bible says those who wait upon the Lord, their strength shall be renewed. So I just asked the Lord, let my strength be renewed now. When I came out of prayer after two hours, every tinge of pain in the elbow totally disappeared. Isn't God good? Then another great unfortunate thing happened again. Three months later, just two weeks ago, I was in Uganda and I had another fall, unfortunate fall. That was not my choosing, you know, I don't want to. But this time I felt that my hand broke into two and it came out. That was how bad the fall was. I literally thought it broke into two and it came off. But, uh, and the pain was so excruciating, excruciating pain, unbearable pain. Because it's, it keeps on hitting in the same spot over and over again. So after when I came back from Uganda, I made an appointment to see an orthopedic surgeon because I really thought the, the muscles have all torn and the hand had come out, you know. So, and uh, I just pondered in my heart, you know, I'm going to see this orthopedic surgeon. This orthopedic surgeon was in a meeting and he heard my testimony, how the Lord had healed me. See, so if now if I go to see him, he will ask me, why didn't your God heal you? So I thought that in my heart, you know, how can this bring glory to God? Although the, the orthopedic surgeon is a Christian man, spiritual Christian man, who comes to all my meetings, a wonderful, humble Christian man. But I just thought in my heart, you know, how, how, what testimony is he going to be? And I, again, I didn't even pray about it. So the following day, I was going to see him. And the day before, on the afternoon, I was praying. And the same thing happened again. The Lord Jesus came. And I just put out my hand out before the Lord. And I was instantly healed of all the pains. And the following day, I was preaching at a church. And this orthopedic surgeon came to the meeting and he met me at the elevator and he asked me, how's your arm? You didn't come to see me. I said, doctor, there was no reason for me to see you because God had healed my hand and he felt my hand, you know, and he really, he testified, you were really in bad shape. Truly God had healed you. You see, when you have let everything go when you are empty and zero God will be all in all for you for you you must be willing to come to that place of emptying of dying when you die you will live if you don't die you cannot live you must die if you want to live. And when God gave a condition to the people, the Bible tells us in Exodus chapter 19, 
verses 7 to 8, every one of the three million people wholeheartedly covenanted with God saying, yes, Lord, we accept the condition of your covenant from this day onwards. We will obey you wholeheartedly. We will walk after you with a perfect heart. So they made a covenant. They made a condition that they will obey God at all costs. When they had done that, Pastor White, you didn't tell me what time I should stop. Really? He's so sweet. Can I just go on and on? Are you sure everybody? Are you sure? I have a great reputation for that, you know. So when they were willing to obey and they made a covenant with God, then God laid down three conditions how they can have a visitation from God. Three conditions. How they can prepare themselves to meet with God. He said, I'm going to come to meet you, but you must prepare yourselves. Exodus chapter 19, verses 9 and 10. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I come to you in the thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with you, and believe you forever. So Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people, and consecrate them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes. So this was a condition that God put before them. See, God wants to speak to the people. In verse 9, he says that, I want to speak with you. Not only I want to speak with you, I want to show myself to you. The very purpose that God asked Moses to build the tabernacle in Exodus chapter 25 verse 8, that I may dwell among you. See, he wants to dwell among you, with you. That's the first purpose. Second purpose, Exodus 25 verse 22, that I may speak with you face to face. See, that is the longing of God, the desire of God to speak with you directly, not through a third source. Hear me. Not through a prophetic third voice. God wants to speak to you directly, face to face. That is his desire. If that is his desire, why are you running after other people? Asking, do you have a word for me? Do you have a word for me? Do you have a word for me? Why are you doing that? You know the reason why we are doing that? Because we are lazy Christians. We are extremely lazy. We don't take time to wait on God. In 1991, when I visited the U.S. for the first time, the Lord called me to fast for U.S. for 40 days. So during the 40-day fast, on the 37th day, while I was waiting on God, I fell into a trance. And in the trance, I saw what appeared like the Ark of Covenant appear before me. And from between the cherubim, I heard a voice speak to me. Turn your Bible to Exodus chapter 30. So I began to read chapter 30. 
And when I read through the whole chapter, I looked to the direction from where the voice came and I asked the Lord, so what is it about this chapter? And then the Lord spoke saying, there are six furnitures in the tabernacle of Moses and every one of the furniture represents one aspect of prayer. It starts from the outer court, from the altar of burnt offering. The high priest makes from there to the labor of washing and then he comes to the lampstand and then to the table of showbread and then to the altar of incense and finally he comes before the Ark of the Covenant. See, every one of them represents one aspect of prayer. Finally, when he comes to the Ark of the Covenant, he sees God. God appears as a cloud and fire on the Ark. And the Lord said, when a believer follows all these six steps of prayer, when he comes to the final stage, he can see me and he can talk with me and I will talk with him. Then he said something. Those words were burned into my heart and I've never forgotten them from 91 till now. He said, my desire to reveal myself to my people is greater than their desire to see me. I was taken aback by that sentence, you know. I couldn't grasp it. See, God's desire to manifest himself to his people, to talk with his people is greater than their desire to see him or talk to him. So when the Lord said that, I posed a question to him. I said, Lord, if it is true, of course it is true, that your desire is greater than our desire to see you, then why is it that you are not manifesting yourself before your people so that they can all see you. I asked the Lord that question on your behalf. And you know what the Lord answered me? The reason is because my people have no time to wait on me. That's the answer. Although God desires to show himself to you, why couldn't you see? Because you have no time to wait on him. You have no time. You're running about. You're always running about. If you're not physically running about, your mind is running about. You cannot steal your mind. You cannot quiet your mind. You cannot wait your mind. All that is within you must be quiet and waiting on God. You couldn't do that. And then God said this. My people expect me to behave like instant noodles. You know, you have instant dinners, right? You take from the refrigerator, you put in the microwave oven, in five minutes you have your TV dinner. That's how people expect God to behave. Everything they want in an instant. It doesn't work like that. You must wait on God. God wants to talk with you. God wants to visit the church. The church must take time to wait on God. If you rush through your programs, then you are making all the noise. How can God visit you? 
learn to throw away all your programs. Come to God, strip of everything. Strip of your agenda, strip of your programs, strip of everything and say, here am I God, speak to me. God is looking for a people. God is looking for a leader who is willing to say that, who is willing to do that. I strip myself bare of everything. And God said, I will come to you in a thick cloud. Why thick cloud? Exodus chapter 33 verse 20 says, no man can see God. So you cannot see him. So he comes in a thick cloud. You cannot see him, but in the form of a thick cloud. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 15 and 12, that they heard an audible voice speaking to them. That's what God said to them. They, you cannot see me. You cannot see my face. I will appear in a thick cloud, but I will speak with you. Every one of you will hear my voice speaking. And the Bible tells us in Exodus chapter 19 verse 16, chapter 20 verse 21, and Psalms 99 verse 7, that in the Old Testament, people always saw the form of God like a thick cloud. And we also read in the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 17 verse 5, that the three disciples, Peter, James and John, saw God come down on the Mount of Transfiguration in the form of a cloud. So God the Father takes on the form like a cloud. Quite recently, I was uh, praying over a very troubled situation one night. So I was very troubled by a situation in our ministry and I prayed with a very, very broken heart before the Lord one midnight. And as I was praying, I heard a voice from the Lord Jesus saying, come up. So the next moment I felt my spirit caught up to heaven. And I stood before the throne of the Lord Jesus. And he asked me, what is troubling you? So I, I poured out my heart and I told the Lord Jesus the situation that I was facing in our ministry over a, a, a few problems. Then he looked at me, he listened to me with great patience. And then he said, come, let us go to the Father and talk about your situation. So the very next moment, we were translated to another place in heaven where the Father God dwells. You know, in heaven, not everybody dwells in one place. All the angels, they dwell in one place. All the martyrs, they dwell in another place. Even the redeemed saints, they are segregated according to their spiritual ranks and their stature in different places in heaven. And the cherubims, they dwell in a different place. The seraphim, they dwell in a different place. The Lord Jesus Christ has his own dwelling place in a different place. And the Father God has his own dwelling place in a different place. That is why the Bible says, in my Father's house there are many mansions. Now mansions is not castles or houses, big houses like the White House, not like that. The word mansion in the Greek is mone, M-O-N-E. And the word mone means realms of existence. 
And that's what exactly it is in heaven, you know. Not just houses, although there are houses. It's different realms. One realm for the these people, and another realm for these people, another realm for so many different realms. So there is one realm in heaven, the furthest and the northest place in heaven, where the Father God dwells. And it is beautifully surrounded by snow-clad mountains. So that was not the first time I was brought there. So when we stood there, right above on the high peak of the mountain, there's always a big cloud that is always moving and pulsating with life and with fire, thunders and lightnings that always comes out. That is the presence of the Father. So, when we were brought there, I've, I've never been alone before the Father's presence in all the few times that was I was permitted to be there. The Lord Jesus always brings to see the Father God. So then from the cloud came a loud thunder peeling voice. What do you want? <laughs> now my voice is nothing compared to what, how the voice of the Father God sounds. It's really like thunder. The voice of the Lord Jesus is so pleasant and so beautiful, you know. And the Holy Spirit is so gentle, so quiet, that we hardly hear Him. It's the still, small voice. But the Father God is so terrible. Very, very terrible, you know. Here I am standing with a broken heart, and then He shouts, What do you want? <laughs> so, you know, the first time I had that privilege to be in the presence of the Father was in 2015. And subsequently, uh, to date now, several visits I had been privileged by the mercies of God. But each time, even though that it has been a few times now, I come and stand before the Father God. I always fear and tremble and shake like a leaf standing in the presence of the Father. And worse still, hearing his voice. And he thunders, what do you want? So, I barely could master my courage to speak, you know. And then I saw something very amazing. From that cloud that was above the mountain, a figure, the form of a man, came and stood before me. It was all cloudy, all cloudy, but you can see like a shape of a form of a person. And I think the Father God must have seen how terrified I was. So he took on that form like a cloud and he came and stood before me and he asked me, what do you want? What is troubling you? See, that's exactly how the people in the Old Testament saw God. Like a pillar of cloud. It comes and appears before them. And then God told Moses, some preconditions, some do's and don'ts, how to handle this visitation. In Exodus chapter 19, verses 12 to 13, he told him, tell the people, these are the preconditions, they must not come up to the mountain, nor 
touched the mountain, set boundaries all around the mountain when my presence will come down. Now what does that signify? It signifies this. Don't make an idol out of spiritual experiences. Don't idolize them. They are good. They are some extra benefits. Like fringe benefits that God gives us to boost our faith or encourage us. But they are not in any way helpful to our salvation. It does not. Our salvation is dependent only on the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen everybody? So, if by God's grace, He endows us with a prophetic experience or an encounter, never, never idolize those experiences. Never. That's why God said, don't touch the mountain. Don't come near the mountain. You find that in Matthew chapter 17, verse 4. After Peter, James and John saw the Lord, glorified Lord Jesus, and he saw Pete, Elijah and Moses, they had the great privilege of seeing that. Now look at Peter's reaction. Immediately he said, Lord, it is so wonderful that we are here on this mountain. Thank you for giving us this privilege to see this glorious vision. Let us do one thing. Let us build a temple for you, a temple for Elijah, and a temple for Moses. See what he was doing. He was idolizing an experience. And the Bible says, when the vision ended, only the Lord Jesus was there. The visitation of the cloud of witnesses, they are just like angels, you know. As... as uh, as great as it may sound, they just come. See, when Moses and Elijah came to talk with the Lord Jesus, they were talking with the Lord Jesus exactly like how an angel would come and talk to, to the Lord Jesus. Period. Nothing great, nothing fanciful. They were just doing their duties as mandated by God. You don't make an, um, an idol of that. Or don't even make money out of your experiences by immediately writing a book and selling by the hundreds and thousands. Don't idolize. It's wonderful. God blesses you with that experience, you know. You know, when I first had an experience of being caught up to heaven on March the 24th, 1984, that was my first experience. And the Lord told me, don't share this with anybody. And he never allowed me to talk about it until 14 years later. Then he said, now you can share that. So don't idolize any experience. Don't blow your trumpet. Go around telling everybody that an anointing can be idolized. Very sadly, there is a recent craze a recent very strange phenomena that's going on in the body of Christ today. This is called grave sucking or grave soaking. Have you heard of that? Okay. Grave sucking or grave soaking originated in California. 
at a, at a church pastored by a, a man called Bill Johnson. This started in his church where he himself goes and sleeps on the graves of some men of God. Like say for example, John G. Lake. Have you heard of John G. Lake? A man mightily used by God in the healing ministry. He goes and lies on the grave hoping for the anointing to be transferred on him. And his wife does that. I was very shocked when I just made a little research about this. And the many people in their church go and do that. They go to all the graves. They all just lie down there. They just sit on the graves soaking. And uh, the scriptural evidence for such a thing, they quote is is from 2 Kings chapter 13 verses 20 to 21 where the scripture says about many months after the death of Elisha and a dead man uh, someone, some people were carrying a dead man to bury him but then there were some enemies who were coming, some soldiers were coming for fear of for their own lives they throw down this dead corpse not knowing where they were throwing and then they ran away for their lives. And the place where they thrown the dead corpse happened to be the grave of Elisha. And the Bible says, as soon as the dead man touched the bones of Elisha, he came back to life. Now this is the scripture they quote for this grave soaking, grave sucking. But there is a problem here. The problem is this. In the first problem is, the man who carried the dead, the dead man did not know where they throw the dead body. It was not done on purpose. It was done unknowingly. They just throw the body. And it so happened that the power of God that was inherent in that Elisha resurrected the dead man. Now why that happened? That happened also because to fulfill a promise that was given to Elisha that he will do two times more than all the works that Elijah had done till at that moment till the life of Elisha he had only raised one person from the dead so he must raise two person right so that came to pass when the second man was raised so this is problem number one but in contrast to what people are doing here they are voluntarily going and lying on the graves, hoping for the anointing to come upon them. Now problem number two. The problem number two, the dead body who was thrown on the grave of Elisha had already died. So dead. So if you want the anointing of some saints in the past, first you must die. Right? If you want to go by the formula, then you, all the math must add up in the same order. So if you don't die, how can you receive the resurrection power? You cannot just be lying on the grave and just smiling, say, hey, yes, come, 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 come. <laughs> you know, when I look at the scenario, we are just mocking God. 
You know how much the saints of old had paid a price for the anointing they had walked in. The tremendous price they had paid. And here you go, trying to sit on the graves, without paying any price, you want all the anointing to come upon you. How, how can it work? It cannot work at all. If you, if you read the Bible of all the heroes of faith, they all paid a great price to where they were. And even if you look at all the men and the women of faith in the 20th and 21st century, they all paid a great price. Nothing came in a gold platter for them. Maria Woodward Etta, have you heard of her? She had many of her children die before the anointing came upon her and she was powerfully used in healings and miracle ministry. And so was Catherine Kuhlman. She paid a heavy price, some her own choosing, some not her choosing, but eventually there came a time in her life where she really died. And the amount of humiliation that she went through, the amount of persecution she went through, she paid a big price. And then came the power of the Holy Spirit that flowed through her, the healing anointing, that no man were used like her. No man was used like Maria Woodward Etta, two women, and Mary Semple Macpherson, and Amy, Amy Semple Macpherson. These three women in history were powerfully used more than the men. But look at their lives, the price they paid. So nothing comes without a death, a dying. If you want a visitation from God, which He will gladly give you, you want a revival in your church, you want a visitation of the glory of God, first you must learn to die. First you must learn to obey God at all costs. There's no question of ifs or buts. You must be willing to let go of everything and obey God imputely. Now even before the prophet Moses died, he reminded the people of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 15 and 19, 15 to 19. Again he reminded them, you heard only the voice of God. You did not see any form, you did not see any image. Therefore, do not make any idols. Don't idolize any experience. What God can do in this church, what God can do for you, He can also do it in another place. Multiply many more times. And then what your experience will pale in comparison to what God will do in another place. So what is that to boast about? There's nothing to boast about. It is God who does all. Amen. He does everything. He gets all the glory. Shall I continue? Because I just covered one third. Two thirds more to go. It's already quarter past ten. If I continue, 
I may have to say good morning to all of you. <laughs> okay, let me stop here. And I want you to meditate on all this. And then tomorrow, we will look at the other half of preparing the conditions. Now God will lay down conditions. Three specific conditions or instructions. What they should do to meet with God. So meditate on all this that I've just shared with you. Remember, the two important things among all these things that I've just spoken, two things. One, die. Two, obey. This is a two, two words I leave with you tonight. So before you go to bed, spend some time meditating on dying and obeying. If you can die and you obey, come back tomorrow. If you cannot die, you cannot obey, please go back. Amen? I'm serious, you know. I'm serious. Are you serious? If you can die and obey, come back tomorrow. Let's stand up for a word of prayer. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Let's all be still and quiet in the presence of the Lord now. As we were singing this song, I see with my spiritual eyes two wings stretched out in our midst. One was the wing of a dove. The other, the wing of an eagle. The Lord God now tells me, he said, tell my people, I'm going to bring these two visitations upon them in these last days. This is the powers of the age to come. That I am going to pour out upon my people. The gifts of the Holy Spirit the wings of the dove and the seven spirits of God the wings of eagle thank you wonderful God the Lord Jesus also shows me there are some people here who will receive by the end of this conference wings like dove 
and there are some who will receive the wings like an eagle. Thank you, wonderful God. There is a man here. There is a black man there. You are seated in the center wearing a blue color shirt. You, you. I see you, my brother. God giving you a shofar. And he's giving, calling you into the ministry of a prophet. The Lord Jesus says, you have been praying for this anointing for a long time. And even before you came to this meeting, you had fasted and you had prayed. And he said, Lord, I want to have a visitation from you. I want this anointing. And you made a vow saying, Lord, I'm willing to go to any nations of the world to be your prophet. Am I right, my brother? Thank you, wonderful God. And surely the oil of that anointing is being poured on you right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. <clears throat> Please stop your clapping. Please stop your clapping. The oil, stop your sofa. The oil of anointing is being poured on your head right now. Thank you, wonderful Lord Jesus. Let your anointing, Lord, pour, flow down all over his head. As it came down, the head and the beard of Aaron, Lord. Thank you, wonderful Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus tells you, my brother, consecrate your life. Set it apart for my glory. Deny yourself. Deny your flesh. Deny your desires. Deny your ambition. Empty yourself and come to me. And I will transform you and make you a man after my own heart. I will also give you the wings of an eagle that you have been desiring to be translated into the heavenly realm and to be transported into the natural realm. You have been praying, my dear brother, for a long time, like the anointing that rested upon the prophet Moses. Surely, the Lord God will bless you with that anointing. Thank you, wonderful God. Come on, lift up your holy hands. Bless the name of the living God right now. Come on, open your mouth. Open your heart. And bless the name of the living God. He is worthy of all praise. He is worthy of all glory. He is worthy of all honor. Come on, open your mouth. Give him praise. Give him thanks.
Thank you, wonderful God. Lift up your holy hands. Lift up your head unto the heavens. Give him thanks. Give him glory. Give him honor. He is a good God. His grace and mercy endures forever and ever. Let's be quiet. The Lord Jesus counsels you. Let my people humble themselves. Fast and pray and seek my face. For surely I will visit them. I will cause the fruit of their womb to be fruitful. I will cause their spiritual womb to be prosperous. I will cause their church to be prosperous. But they must be willing to put away the shoes from the midst of them. The shoes that defile their souls and their spirits. They must be willing to untie the strings from their shoes and then remove their shoes to walk before me in cleanness of hand in purity of heart and with a willing and obedient mind let them learn of me in humility and in meekness. Let them learn from me, for I am meekly and lowly at heart. In order to learn of me, they must likewise become, be transformed into meekness and lowliness. My father delighted in me, giving me the spirit without measure because I had this that was pleasing unto him. You have often wondered what is it that I had that was pleasing unto the Father. He found this in me, the meekly heart and the lowly mind. Where I was willing to take on the form of men, becoming obedient 
even unto the death of the cross where i was willing to be subjected to flesh and blood where i was willing to con descend from the glories of heaven to this sin stricken world when i was willing to totally embrace this cross that was pleasing to my father that is why he took great delight in me so it shall be with you my sons and daughters if you too will learn from me to be meekly and lowly shall we all kneel down before the presence of the almighty god right now everybody please kneel down before the presence of the almighty god the lord has asked you are you willing to learn from him to be meekly and lowly how will you respond right now now is your time you open your heart and you talk to the lord jesus right now he has shared his heart secret i was the one who was constantly praying and asking god what is it that the father was so pleased about you so today he gave the answer he was meekly and lowly that is why god gave him the spirit without measure i strongly perceive in my spirit right now the lord jesus christ wants to give you the same gift the same gift the powers of the age to come so open your heart and you talk to the lord jesus right now you tell him are you willing to die are you willing to let go are you willing to totally surrender are you willing to do anything that he will require out of you without asking any questions without any preconditions are you willing to totally let go you open your heart now and you talk to the lord jesus he has expressed his heart to you now you respond to him you respond to him right now he is seeking and searching for those who are willing to be stripped of everything so that nothing of the you or the i in you will remain 
before you can desire your church to be great are you willing for your church to be stripped of everything are you willing for you to be emptied of your church even in numbers so that your church totally dies before god can pour out his resurrection power into your church that it may rise up from the beauty of ashes are you willing are you willing to let go are you willing to die come on open your heart and you talk to the lord now it's not only to a church but also to an individual an individual your personal revival your personal encounter your personal mount sinai experience your family your family may have a call you may have consecrated as a family is everyone in your family willing to die talk to the lord now you open your heart and you talk to the lord i constantly see the two wings they are just moving gently in our midst from the first time that i saw you i saw the wings even now but i see these wings moving from the center to the right and is gently blowing gently it's moving flapping its wings upon you thank you wonderful lord jesus can you respond to the lord like how the children of israel responded when the prophet moses told them the words of god he told them what god demanded out of them obedience and the people answered all together unanimously they said all that the lord had spoken we will do can you say like that if you can say you open your heart and you make that known to god now out of your mouth you make it known unto god lord all that you have spoken we will do with all our hearts with all our souls with all our mind and with all that is within us without any preconditions we will implicitly obey you lord from the bottom of your heart you say that to the lord 
Thank you, wonderful God. Now you lift up your holy hands. And now we say, Bless the Lord, O my soul, O my soul, Worship His holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul, I worship your holy name. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.